sang this song to me There was a message in his melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of birds Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song watching this episode, I want to thank you for taking your time to turn it on and listen and even look if you're watching it on a platform where you can actually see the video. And today, as always, I promise to bring someone who can help you with techniques that will allow you to change your life, to reshape your thinking, your thoughts, your actions, so that you can begin to live the life that you dream about. You all know that I believe that everyone was sent here for a purpose. And when we look out in the world and we see all this stuff happening, it's happening because we are not on purpose. So because of that, I'm always gonna bring you somebody to help us get on purpose. And tonight is no different. I want to welcome Sean Singleton II to today's show. He is the author of Brick by Brick, Reshaping Your Thinking. Thank you, Sean, for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to just pour into your audience and communicate in ways to help them be better, live better, and do it more consistently. And we're excited to have you. So, uh, and it, we talked about that earlier, and I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about things that you did in your background. So, um, and I want to invite those that are watching now to type your questions into the Facebook feed. I have someone watching that feed, so they're sending me those questions. So if you see me looking around or down, it's because I'm checking the question log to make sure that we don't miss anyone. We'll do our best to get those questions answered. If there are any that are important that don't get answered, I'll make sure that I forward those to Sean so he can respond at his leisure. So I want to thank you for that. A little housekeeping. I want to thank my sponsor. Um, as I always say, uh, it's been a sponsor for every one of my episodes. I am incredibly grateful. So when you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply and Equipment. They do really great work, if I have to say so myself. So, uh, so reach out and give them a call. And if you're watching the show, you are on my personal Facebook page, Empower DR. I want you to like that. You can also like Empowerment Doctor. Uh, that's my page too, but you won't see the live version here, but I do upload the recorded version afterwards like that. And run over to my website, champagneconnection.com, where you can see all of the podcasts and like those too. Uh, there's some cool merchandise out there. And I know I keep saying I'm going to wear some maybe next time. Uh, so, so I'll get you some cool life is too short to drink cheap champagne merchandise. I really, it, I really, really like it. It's very comfortable too. Okay. Because I wear it and work out in it all the time. So thank you all for that. So Sean, <clears throat> tell us about how you got started with the book and where, and be sure to include where people can find it. Yeah. And all of that. Yeah. I mean, the book um, actually started, I'd say about seven years ago. Um, I just, I knew that I wanted to write a book because I was inspired by different people growing up and 
seeing the success and how I got to college and all those things. And that was years ago. But, you know, when I got there, I was like, oh, man, I made it. And I felt like I really just had a voice and had a desire to make people's lives better. And so I started typing it out, but I never really could get it to a level where I felt like it was ready to publish. And so, you know, fast forward a little bit, 2021 comes around or 2020 comes around. And I'm like, I think it's time that I go ahead and write it and go ahead and publish it. And, um, you know, so I've been working on this book for about six or seven years, just just trying to get the details together, trying to keep it concise and trying to keep it together. So, you know, to get it on Amazon and like Walmart and Target online and, and you know, all these different places, Barnes and Noble, to have my book out there and publish, you know, pretty much anywhere where you can type in book. You can type in brick by brick, reshape your thinking in Google and you'll see it pop up. I mean, just to see it get this level of recognition and all the people who've published articles about it and featured me on things like that. Um, it, it just shows the dedication and effort that I put into, you know, those six or seven years were definitely worth writing a book that to me, it's only 72 pages, but it's like everybody reads it like, yo, man, I, I can't just read, you know, I, it's like it's short, but you there's so much to think about, you know. <laughs> so tell us about the award you received in 2021. Yes, that was a 2021 Creo Award. That was my very first award that I ever got. And it was just almost a stamp, a statement to the, the effort and work that I put into the, the book and creating it towards a resource that people can go to to learn how to create consistent principles in their life and really, you know, lead themselves down a path that creates their own journey, but without going through all these falls and stumbles and, and kind of going deeper and as I call them in the book, holes. You know, we, we, we always go through life and we're always doing things, but, um, you know, it just teaches on these mental pr principles that you can apply to your life and really elevate you to the next level where you're out of these holes. And now you're starting to build on this foundation that you have that really can't, you know, it's not going to allow you to go backwards. And so the award was a 2021 Creo Award for uh, sustainable. It was just recognizing authors and speakers and coaches who really emphasize sustainable principles, whether it's like in mental health, whether it's in life, whether it's in uh, sustainability. And so it's just recognizing people who were, who wrote content that was deserving of global recognition. So that was, that was my first one. And I love it. <laughs> Oh, how did 2020 change your perspective on life? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it changed my perspective a lot. And honestly, a lot of the books start, the book starts um, with the setting of using that premise of 2020, because I realized a lot of people were going through life and experiencing this, you know, this kind of up and down thing. And I was like, whoa. And then some people were crashing. And it was like, wow, you, I'm like, okay, now we're taking all these distractions away, as I call them. You know, there's just things to keep your mind busy. And they turn into distractions that prevent you from healing from things that you actually should be healing from to that's, you know, could push you to the next level. And so that's why a lot of people, some people in COVID actually propelled their life forward and others, it, it really just kind of, you know, sent them in this rocky state where they didn't really know what to do. And they were kind of going, going on, you know, just out of their mind, they were like, I don't know what to do now. I can't go to the gym. I can't talk to this person. I can't go around people. I can't, I have to like, look at myself in the mirror. You know, people have to look at their spouses and their kids for the first time. And they're like, man, I really don't like, you know, being around you. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it's just, you know, we didn't like things that we were doing with each other, with ourselves and how we were making other people feel. And uh, there was really no outlet. So I think that was kind of the recognition for me, because even in my own life, I was going through things and I wrote in the book as well, from my perspective during that time, um, where I just started to recognize things that weren't right in my life. And other people were asking me for help and advice and how to get to these different places. And that's where it really started to resonate with me that I think this is a bigger issue than, than just, you know, quarantine and COVID. So I decided to write a book about it. <laughs> I always say that it was um, the universe's way of putting us in one big gigantic timeout. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Because you're right, we were just binging out on activities and everything. food, and TV, and everything, and yeah. not really looking at our emotional state about anything or how we felt about anything. And we would have those conversations that would say, you know, I, I really want to achieve this, but then you're at the next party or you're at the next event mm -hmm. or you're at the next thing, and you didn't ever really get to achieve anything. So all those prayers people were praying that said, you know, universe, please help me find out what I need to do to get to the next step. We got it. It was a timeout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sit down and reflect. <laughs> Sit down and reflect. Right. Been trying to beat you. Can't talk to you. <laughs> so what did you find was one of your biggest struggles doing 2020? I think my biggest struggle was probably just um, re realizing that I wasn't as great as I thought I was and, and what that means. Not like I thought I was better than anyone, but it was a sense of, we all have that sense of pride, not where it's like, it's, it's toxic where you're, you know, vomiting on people everywhere you walk and down, you know, mm -hmm. making them feel less about themselves, but where you just feel like you don't need any help dealing with areas that have happened to you in the past, that everything in the past is just the past. And I've already moved on. It's a new year. And, and I, I see that common trend every time around new year's like, Oh, it's a new year, new me. Like mm -mm. the stuff you do this year is going to be who you are next year. I don't care. You know, December 20, <laughs> December ain't going to change you. December 25th through the 31st ain't going to change you. Whatever you did up until December 25th is exactly what is going to happen to you and pick up on January 15th or whenever you, you know, whenever that, that habit comes back to bite you, because I realized that, you know, situations that we happened in the past really had an outcome on how we lived our life. You know, me have, not having a father, me growing up at 11, me having to leave my house at a young age where I didn't really have a childhood forced me to grow up a lot faster than most people. And so, but I thought that I was fine because when I got to the age where I was an adult, I was like, oh, cool, I know how to do this on my own. But then I realized that the relationship with, you know, that I didn't have my father was affecting me in ways that was, you know, people around me were starting to feel it. And what I mean is my wife and my kids, they were, not that I was a bad person. It was just, you can be better and you're not acknowledging this area. And so you're trying to run from it by plugging it with money, by plugging it with success, by plugging it with all these things, but it's not filling the void. And you think that the more you get, the better it's going to be. And it's like, no, it's getting worse. And so... <laughs> You know, that's what happened to me. It's like everything just started getting worse. I was like, we we doing well. And it was like, wow, like, okay, I need to go back and address some things. So <laughs> uh, you weren't the only one. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's like everything is getting worse and nothing I used to do is fulfilling. And then when you go back to try to do that stuff, it's just not fulfilling. So it's yeah. like you're still sitting there waiting for that thing. And that thing is to do, as you said, to work on yourself, to be the best thing you can do and finally get to work on some of those things that you know you need to, to take care of. Right? Exactly. Yep. All your friends tell you, you know, you need to know, you know, you need to take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come up with a brick by brick metaphor? Yeah, so I took that. Um, part of it was honestly biblically based because I believe that, um, I mean, my faith had, you know, relationship with God had a strong part of me just making it through 2020 overall because um, honestly I kind of stepped away from like I had a ministry and everything and I actually stepped away from it and I've, I've never told anybody this so to say it live <laughs> you know you guys get like an exclusive. I've never told anybody this in the history of me speaking so you know I kind of stepped away from God and uh, I was like I'm not doing this I'm gonna do this my way and you know that's when things started to go downhill for obviously started going downhill even further and I'm just like all right well whatever I'm just keep going and then my wife started my wife left and I was like oh crap this is actually hitting me like I'm 
like, hold on, wait a second. Like, wait a second. I, okay, something's wrong with me. Like, I thought it was God's fault. I thought it was my fault. I was like, something's really wrong with me internally. Like, I have an issue. Like, something is wrong that I need to address. And so, you know, it, it made me realize that the more I kept going, the less I was achieving as far as healing and growth and restoration as far as anything, right? God, setting God aside, not out of my life, but setting him aside, it's in my life, period. I, nothing was happening. No matter what I was trying to do, nothing was working. And so it caused me to stop, you know, and then really acknowledge exactly what I was going through. And that's kind of the brick by brick metaphor really started to form because my four leadership principles or five leadership principles that I have are stop, acknowledge, assess, adjust, and then maintain. And so I literally went through those processes of stopping and then acknowledging what was in front of me and then assessing the situation and looking at the damage that what I've done and what it was caused and what was the root issue before I made any adjustments. That, that, and that took the longest part. Um, but then I started to adjust things and now I'm in the level where I'm just maintaining that's that that growth that I've had and, and experiencing those situations in a different level in a new light and every every opportunity gives me a chance to go back and review those principles at each step of the way and so I said okay there's got to be a way to teach this other people that not introduce it they're not trying to make them be like me but for their own life do this in each area of your life because that's what I had to do had to look at my friends and family had to look at my character my actions you know counseling had to look at my finances had to look at all these things and kind of start apply those principles to it um, that allowed me to get to this level where I am now. Um, and so that's kind of where the concept was born out of that me doing that and realizing that even when I set aside something I valued the most or really walked away from, nothing was still not working. So it's like, all right, the problem is really me and I need to, I need to, I need to address it. So how did you stop doing something that you needed to stop doing? Because that's the hard part for people. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost like we get on this hamster wheel and we just keep going. And then when we stop, we don't know what to do next. So I guess we become afraid. So we just get back and start doing more and more of what we were doing that wasn't working anyway. So how did how do you stop? Yeah, stopping is, is very hard because when you look at everybody around you, you know, things start to, you're like, okay, I'm getting pressured to start going again. Um, and I think that's the very first step you have to start is to realize your story, your life is not going to be everybody else's. Um, comparing yourself to someone else is not going to help you achieve your dreams any faster. I don't care who you sit next to. I don't care who you sit under. I don't care who you learn from. It's not going to do anything for you if you don't stop and really get a hold of yourself and say, like, I need to make decisions for me because, yes, they may, they may have done this and succeeded, but maybe they didn't. And, you know, something, a, a part of their success, I don't want to happen in my life, but they're okay with, you know, and I always say it all the time. I don't care how successful you are in life. How are you treating your family at home? How are you treating your home life? What, how are you treating those close to you? Cause that's, that's what truly matters. At the end of the day, a million dollars is crap. If I have nobody to spend it with, you know, like truly who's there for me to spend it with, you know, and then it's like, how do I grow this? And like, help me grow. How to help me get better. How do I create this environment around me? So you have to really see, you know, not the outcome, but just understand that if you stop, it gives you a chance to rewrite the story into something better than what you thought you could create on your own because you're not comparing yourself or rushing or forcing yourself to do something you're not ready to do or your character isn't ready to handle. Yeah, and we have, it seems like we have a really big problem with doing things so that people will like us and like mm -hmm. us and say nice things and compliment us when some of those things won't help us achieve anything we want to achieve. 
at, at all. all. But at we got a lot of likes and a lot of compliments. Yep. <laughs> so and there are so you talk about eleven bricks. So mm -hmm. um, do you have favorites or do you have ones that are are harder than others? <laughs> uh, is there an order you follow them in? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, is it kind of like? Oh, you do the first five, and if you're tired, you, 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 <laughs> so how does that work? <laughs> yeah, my eleven bricks. The first, my my favorite ones are the first uh, three, which are the stop digging, um, and then you get into the clean your house, and then you get into the friends and family. Uh, I put those in the beginning intentionally because those are the first three areas that have the biggest influence over every single thing we do in life. Period. And I just talked about stopping and the importance of that, and how to illustrate and, and illustrating that in the book as well as talking about it now. Um, and then the cleaning your house is really the, the emphasizing the part of this repetition. You got to do this thing. This is a lifetime thing. You're not just going to do it once and then it's going to be over because once you get to the next level, you got new challenges, new things to overcome. But if you stick with the principles that built the first level, you won't have to go back down and start over. And it, you know, I think that's what people fail to realize. And so then you move on to the friends and family, which is like, I think that's probably, I always say this about everyone. It's like, this is my favorite one. It's because, you know, I'm just building on this process. And I really love um, when people are in, in this stage because it, it means you're taking, you're fully taking control of your life because you're telling your family, hey, I, I respect you. You're learning how to balance my family's opinions versus what I need to do for my life and what I want my family to be. Because being honest, you, you know, the generation that, yes, your parents raised you in, it's not the generation you're in now. They may have good insight for you, but it's not the direction that your life is going to go and going to take. And it's it, they may be giving you good feedback, receive it. But it's like, I hear you. I'm going to set that on the table as an option that I'm going to choose from because you still have to have that respect and honor for them in that regard. Um, but there's also a level where you can take their opinion and, and, and set it aside where it's like, I'm not even going to listen to it because they may not be in a position where you are to even give you sound advice, um, you know, for you to lean into. And likewise, with your friends who may be influencing you to do things that aren't for your best benefit and maybe sucking energy from you. you're like man why can i ever do anything that succeeds because your friends sucking the life out of everything you do the second you start they're like oh go do this then you're like man I'm, i've got like seven different businesses and none of them are succeeding <laughs> or, you know, like because my friends always like they don't support me it's like i don't care if my friends support me i don't need you to support me you know it's like i just want you guys to be there for me when i need to talk to someone and be real and be honest and you know be transparent and that's it really just helps you redefine what those relationships are so you know what to do next and you know the, re the rest of the bricks just start to sort of fall in line i mean you can pick and choose at that point because once you handle that area you mm -hmm. start to realize what you need to focus on first so after that it's, it's you know fair slim pick or let's say fair, fair game <laughs> i know sometimes i was just thinking since you're right you know because friends can give you 50 things to do or that you should be doing and it's like there's just no way possible you can do all of that it just exactly. cannot <laughs> So you mentioned um, not uh, having a father after about 11, so. Oh, no, I didn't have him at all. Oh, you I didn't had have to, him at all, I, okay. No. <laughs> okay, 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 you grew up without a father, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't have him at all. So was, how did that affect your life? A lot, because he was, he left when I was two, and so, um, you know, growing up, I went through a lot of changes, and um, experienced things with stepfathers between that period that I really, I don't want to discuss right now, but it, it's, it's, you know, things that changed my life definitely made me realize I need to step up earlier. And so like, I mean, when I say running, I don't mean like everybody's typical story of like, like, no, it wasn't like I was playing basketball to get my mom to the league. I was, 
out shoveling driveways, cutting grass, asking my uncle for to take gutters, like to get money from my mother to pay bills. Like it was, it was like that level. And then coming home and balancing the checkbook and then coming home and figuring out what we need for dinner. Like it was, it was that level of like, I was the man of the house essentially uh, for a quite, you know, from like 11 to about 14 or so um, until she found, you know, until another stepfather came in the picture and he was a great guy. You know, I think he, he did a lot for my mother and, and in that regard, but at that point, I, I didn't really see five, like men at that point were just, you know, it was, I don't, it's like, I, I, I've already reached that level where I've seen, <laughs> I've seen what you guys are good for. <laughs> I don't need no more advice from you <laughs> in this regard. I'm going to talk to somebody else, go talk to a teacher, you know, but that's, that's kind of my, you know, how, how it, how it started. So, you know, it affected me in a way where it caused me to grow up earlier. And so it allowed me to see childhood differently, which I think gives me a perspective now, which is why people desire uh, my book and me to speak so much because they're like, you know, how do you go through this for so like so long, but then you come out and like, I, if I look at you, you look at me, you see a wife with five kids, your wife doesn't work. You're doing all these things. You're really successful. Like, how are you doing this and still keeping your character? You know, it's like, it's like, I don't even care about what you do or especially like you as a person. Like I've seen people who know Diamond Father and they end up on the opposite side of the spectrum. I've seen people who don't know how to treat, like you, you pull, you did something different that is gravitating people and things and, and stuff towards you, positive, you know, good things towards you. How is this possible? You know, what are you doing differently that I didn't do? And I think that gives me a different perspective because I didn't really have anybody um, in that regard to, to tell me. So I really had to learn it. You know, to me, it started from God. It started from, you know, understanding how he was a father to us and how I could do things that pushed me in the direction that, you know, led to the success that you're seeing now. So obviously it's working. <laughs> Must be working. It's working. That's right. So, <laughs> so what two techniques can you share to on this show that people can use to stop sabotaging themselves? Uh, yes, the first one is, I say, well, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the two techniques I would say, and it's not really a technique, more so it's a, it's a frame of mind. Um, you have to just be willing to fail. And what that means is to try something and then, and then fail at it. Try to be a better, you know, father, a better person, or a better uh, leader in whatever area. Try to be a better business owner, whatever, and just fail. Like, you know, allow some things to to just, yep, this ain't working. <laughs> you know, just just be able to say that, yeah, I messed up. You know, because I think a lot of us hold on to that and try to make excuses for it. And there may be valid reasons, but just accept the fact I made a poor decision. I say this all the time: I made poor business decisions. Even now, that's cost me money, but I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I'm learning. Now I know how not to do this again, you know, but it's just being able to admit that you can fail and that, you know, you're not going to have everything right. That's that's the very first, I wouldn't say technique, but it's just like the frame of mind you have to be in is that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail. Um, and then the second one, I would say it's, I would say it's another mental, a mental state thing, um, but just learning how to plan ahead, you know, think, learning how to make decisions without snapping you know like and what i mean by that is people make decisions like this they, they try to teach you to make decisions like this everything is social media you know on advertising you know whenever you're buying a car like it's always like make a decision make a decision like you have the ability to tell somebody or something no <laughs> and take a few days and walk out like you know to stop making decisions in the environment where you're pressured in if you can't walk away don't accept the deal it's not a good deal and that's that's really the two biggest techniques I would say is being okay failing and then learning how to take your time to make decisions and think about what happens after that. Yes, what you may get looks great, but then what affects that 
is you have no money to maybe pay your bills. You have no money for expenses. You have no uh, bandwidth left because you have to work two jobs and now you can't spend the time with your family or you can't go to counseling. You can't get the healing you need. So it's like, you know, you make these decisions without thinking about the stuff that's affecting you try to jam it all together. Then you realize you're too busy for nothing and you have no success to show, nothing to show for it. I didn't success, just no life to show for it really. And you're really, you know, back in the cycle of being overwhelmed and you're just repeating the same habits that happened before 2020, your life's going to revert back and you're not going to progress or do anything sustainable or consistent. So if you really want to get there, you have to want to accept the fact I'm going to fail. It doesn't mean you, you're a failure. Don't, don't let your mind take you down that path. I failed, man, I messed up. What, what can I learn from it? And then stop making decisions in the environment that you're pressured in or, you know, just really in an environment anyway, where you just just be in a place where you're comfortable, be by yourself, talk with people, you know, invite them in that you can trust. So you're not, you know, making snap decisions in that moment. I agree. And I do try to tell people and they said they're pressuring me. I says, so tell them to stop or but don't don't buy that now or don't do that now mm-hmm. give yourself yeah. some time to think about it you got to feel you're right because in that pressure in that pressured environment it's almost like you feel like you just have to say yes when mm-hmm. you don't have to say yes you can say no and trust me if you decide three days later it's yes they'll figure out how to make it work for you and it's still gonna be there it it's is. still gonna be yeah. there right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or a better one may even come along. What I find is the more time you give between making a decision, something better pops up that fits exactly what you needed in the first place because you weren't, you know, you had time like, okay, I, I wasn't really willing to risk it all. It's <laughs> one thing, but now this opportunity is like, yeah, I'm really risk it all here. I know this one. Yeah, I trust this, you know, so that's all. <laughs> so as a cognitive, a cognitive behavior life coach, what are some of the common issues you see and what can people do to correct them? I think the biggest ones, and I think I just mentioned them before, but it's like the fear of failure. Um, everyone's scared to fail or scared to start something because they think that they don't have the whatever. You know, they psych themselves out or they think they don't have the support or people are not going to do anything. Or It's just, I mean, even just changing yourself, right? I mean, just the way you spend, you know, just you're operating your daily life, just changing that. It's like, I, I'm, I know I'm going to fail. It's like, try it, you know, take the chance, do something different. I mean, I always say that, you know, the best way to combat that fear is to, to, if you're doing something different than the people around you, you're going in the right direction because it means you're realizing that your environment is, is not your, your resting place. You haven't found a, you know, you shouldn't ever be the smartest person in the room. You shouldn't be amongst your friends and the smartest person. You know, I, I, I never am. Uh, <laughs> there's always someone smarter than me, always someone older than me, um, always someone more experienced in something because I, I don't want to be in a room where I can't be challenged or have that dialogue or feel like, you know, I have room to be wrong. You know, I want to be wrong and I want you to tell me I'm wrong because that's the only way I can get better. Um, but you have to just, you know, allow yourself to, to, to accomplish that and, and get over that fear. And it's not easy. And a lot of times it takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of uh, community and whether it be in counseling or just a friend that you really trust and you guys are vulnerable with, you can really share and encourage you to, to keep going. But you really have to just, you know, get, get over that fear that you're going to fail and just, like I said before, embrace it because it's going to happen, but it doesn't have to be who you are. It's, it's just something that happened to you that you can make something from, but you can still move past it. Yes, I and I, I don't think you really fail if you look at it. Like you said, if you look at it the right way, what did you learn? Mm-hmm. You learned something that you didn't know that you didn't know that you needed to know. 
So exactly. is that really failure? Or, or did that just add to what you needed to know so the next time you can make a different decision because you've got more information? Exactly. And I agree, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, you're just in the wrong room, right? Yeah, and I know people heard that before. Like, I know some people probably tune out. They're like, oh, I heard that before. But that, I don't, they break it down. If you are the smartest person, meaning you think that you're right all the time, you're in the wrong room. If you have no value for people around you, right. your circle needs to change. That Thank means you don't you. have any value from the people around you. It doesn't right. mean like, oh, you're the smartest person, you know something. No, you don't find your friends valuable. So you're not talking about anything that actually matters. You know, I get around friends and I talk about business. I talk about, you know, religion. I talk about Christ. I talk about, you know, growth and all these things that matter stuff, you know, how I'm treating my wife at home. How am I treating my kids? How can I be better here? Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's, that's what I mean. You're not the smartest. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I'm an expert. It's like, no, here's how I was able to do this. How are you able to do that? And that's, if you can't ask your friends that question or you have no desire to change your circle because either they're too, you know, too young for you in maturity, or they're just not at the level where, you know, where you're trying to go. And that's okay. People are only meant to be in your life for a certain season. Not, you know, some people aren't lifelong friends. You really only have five of them in your life. So take your time and, you know, just walk it out and uh, find some new ones. <laughs> Spend some time by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That self stars that spend your time by yourself stuff. Now that's the stuff that guides us in the time out. We don't like ourselves that much, and that you're right. We need to learn to like ourselves. I've got a girlfriend that um, one of the lyrics. She's a, a, a singer, and one of the lyrics is, um, "He loves me, my hips, my thighs, my eyes." It's like so. I thought, yeah, you got to love yourself, fat thighs and all. Okay, just got to. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So tell us about your marriage and like almost five kids. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Fifth baby's on the way. I mean, marriage is amazing. And I think uh, for me, it's just a, a huge, cause I got married at 19. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a journey. <laughs> and if you get the book, you'll see why. I mean, that, that's even just, that's just a microcosm of like what happened. That's, it's, it's so much more than that. Um, but it's really a consistent effort. You know, really, I think marriage overall is nowadays is, is you love until the love until the money dies or you love them until they get on your nerves or you date them until you find something better. And it's like nobody's really willing to to stick it out anymore and, 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 you know, not really say, hey, I know this. This is who you are. Let me understand where you are so I can communicate better rather than seeing the selfish side of what well, you don't understand me. So I'm going to leave and find someone else who does. You know, we always see the one sided picture instead of understanding that they're a person, too. And I think that's really what, what it takes to make marriage work and really make, you know, us having five kids and, you know, and, and enjoying that. That obviously crunches up your time. And it's like, oh, you can't travel and do all those things. You know, it, it, it's a different level. Um, I think especially when you grew up how I did, you, you know, you see that there's so much more to life than than traveling and, and doing all the things because we have time to do that. And if we do our job correctly, we'll have, you know, children who are are. are obedient and you know listen and, and respectful and create other people like us to continue to make the world a better place and if you have sons or daughters you know in about 10 years you know let us know we can uh <laughs> see if they like each other you know <laughs> but no you know that's that's just what i what i believe that you know marriage does and it really illustrates that love relationship um, that you can have with someone that that transcends anything that's 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 physical or tangible you know so when some people are in long-term relationships, as you mentioned, um, 
like you say, they, they love you to the money runs out or to the figure runs out or, you know, and they don't stay. So when you find yourself in that position, what do you recommend people do? Because I don't think that you should just, if unless the marriage is abusive or something, I don't think you should yeah. just throw it away. You know, of course, if the marriage is abusive, I don't recommend staying in any place that's harmful uh, to you emotionally or physically. Uh, get out as soon as you can. But if it's not, uh, what do you suggest people can do to say to, I guess, reintroduce themselves to each other again? And sometimes we've been so busy before COVID, so we've been just over here and over there, but not like we are now together. Yeah, I mean, my wife and I did this. I think they were really solidified. I mean, it's okay to take some time apart. I mean, it's, it's not even like some people think like separation is like, no, like literally take some time apart. Just somebody go over here. I mean, we, we made it work. It was it was awkward, but it, it, it's what we needed. We needed a break and we, we learned, you know, we navigated the life with the kids for a little bit where she had them here. I had them here. I was still working and taking the kids there and there. I mean, it's, you know, still paid for gas. And I like, it, it wasn't like I was cutting. It was like, we just need some time together to work on ourselves and heal but we were also in counseling during that time i was in counseling during that time my wife was in counseling during that time so it was like it was really a commitment we said we know that something's wrong and at the end of the day i think people get to that state where they're like oh i want to leave because they made the choice of marrying a person on the wrong pretense i mean i married my wife she's beautiful and i mean i you guys can probably see her by searching my name and you'll see what she looks like but you know my wife is beautiful but i didn't make it based on how she looks i made it based on how her mind was when it was in a situation where I did something wrong to hurt her um, and how she responded to that. And it wasn't intentional. It was just, it's just so how it happened because we were friends at first. And then she, you know, had this emotional connection for me, but I wasn't really there with her. Um, but then I dated someone else and I broke up with them and I was just heartbroken over it. And then I called her and I was, I was talked to her about it. For some reason I called her, but then her response to my heartbreak with another person, even though she had feelings for me, was man, he needs, you know, God in that sense, more than I need him to like him. I'm going to pray for him in this moment, because my feelings are set aside. He's hurting right now. And I was like, that's the mindset I wanted in a wife. That's the mindset I want raising my kids, because that's what's going to matter the most. I don't care what your body looks like. I don't care how good you look. That's not going to be raising my children. That's not going to be raising our legacy. That's not going to be supporting me on a day to day basis when I'm learning because I understand I knew I didn't have a father. I have no idea how to be a husband. I know how to be a great one now, uh, but <laughs> you know, at the time I was like, I have no idea. I'm gonna need some grace. I'm gonna need some forgiveness. I'm gonna need somebody with some mercy, somebody with some prayer, you know? And so, and I just waited, you know, I waited for her to show up and, and then she did. And that, that was when I knew, and that's how we've been able to last as long as we have. So it's, it's really, and it's almost what, eight years now. So yeah, we, we've been going for a minute. <laughs> Oh, and I bet your kids are just so precious. It's like, gosh. Oh, so, yeah. so you talk about the triad of doubt, fear, and trust. Tell us how you develop this and how you use this to help others. Yeah, the triad of doubt, fear, and trust, it came from um, me just having an insecurity about myself. I'm not feeling like I was attractive enough when I was growing up, not feeling that anybody really believed in me or supported me when I was growing up. And so I didn't really trust a lot of people. And obviously my relationship with men really, you know, that was a really huge factor for me because I was like, well, I don't trust anybody. I didn't trust any guy to be like a true friend. I was like, I don't, you know, so I always thought everyone had an angle. Um, and I was always scared to do something because, you know, I didn't want to, 
uh, you know, make my, I didn't, I didn't want to repeat the same mistakes that my dad was made that, that my dad made by not being there or another man made by, you know, mistreating my mother and my sister, or, you know, just guys in their life. And it's like, man, I have so much pressure. Um, and then it's like, how do you overcome this triad of doubt, fear, and trust? You know, how do you get out of this mindset that you actually can do something different and you have the abilities and the skills to do that? And how do you get there? And that's where, you know, like I said, a lot of the book came from um, just, just taking those, following those steps, you know, each step of my life is just, I had to take, come to a point where I had to stop, acknowledge, assess, adjust, and then main, and then work on maintaining and the stopping, acknowledging, acknowledging and assessing. I probably repeated those three steps, maybe, you know, five years before I finally got it right. And before I started figuring out, oh, I can just change this and now I get better, you know, it's, it's, and it, that's just the reality. And I think that a lot of us don't give ourselves that room to breathe because we want it now. We're an instant culture now. Everything's got to happen now. We got to have it now. We got to have the success now. We got to have the healing now. It's got to now, 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 now. It's like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Allow some time to, to you know, and that's, why I, that's where the embracing the failure comes from. That's where the, you know, overcoming that fear, yeah. like knowing that you have time. There is still, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but you have time. You do not have to rush and have it now because would you much rather have it in five years and be able to keep it for 30 or have it now and only keep it for five? It's, it's just the, it's just the reality that people don't really think about. It's like we want it now, but you won't be able to keep it long term. And that's what you know I had to understand. And that's what I use using that triad and built and established within myself. Now, we always know women are working hard to change themselves and be the best person they can be. So how have men reacted to uh, to your process of making change? They love it and hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most some of my audience, uh, most of some of my audience was men at first when I first started and they really loved it because it, it excelled their levels and, and with their wives and their spouses. And, and even what they were considering dating for the younger audiences, they were like, man, I didn't think it was that simple. I'm like, yeah, it pretty much is. It's just a lot of work and understanding, you know, working to understand your spouse, understand her because, you know, it's, it's challenging. It is. And, but it's, it's work for them to understand your, you know, <laughs> our crazy behinds too. Like we ain't easy. We think, we think stuff is simple. We, we think in boxes, you know, women, women are different and you guys are made differently. And, and I think, I'm teaching men to embrace our differences and really all my, all, all my audience and people I talk to, it's like they're, they're embracing the differences in themselves, but also in each other. So they're realizing that, Hey, you, you went through things that have made you the way that you are mm -hmm. understand that they have too. So when you're reacting from something, instead of responding, you're going to trigger something from them as well, that they're going to react instead of respond to. And so somebody has to come down and say, let me respond the appropriate way. That's going to help you heal because then they'll respond the appropriate way that help you heal. And then you can have that level and you can have that conversation and talk. And it's been challenging, but I do have men, gentlemen who still call me now and they'll tell me like, hey, ma'am, you know, this is happening, this is happening. And I, I walk them through that process. And sometimes it's like, I don't know what to tell you to do because that's not my job. But I do know if you practice this, you know, work to understand her, work to understand it, just talk, go to counseling, keep going back. And that, that you know, some people don't like it. You know, stick with me for long because they're like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm like, because you're not me. You know, I see things differently. You're not going to achieve the same things that I did by doing the same stuff that I did. You have to do what works for you because your spouse or your, you know, your wife or your girlfriend or your husband is different than me. I'm not the same. We're not the same. They went through stuff completely that creates their own story. You know that I don't. And so you have to, here's how you can, here's a, here's a basic outline you can do to figure it out. 
Um, you know, and I'll be here to help you along the way, but I, I'm not going to be the person to tell you, you know, yes or no, you're doing the right thing because ultimately we are the only ones, only ones that know that question. <laughs> so how does, how do you keep yourself accountable? Oh, me? Oh, uh, all the time. You, I, stop, acknowledge, assess, baby. It's all, <laughs> I, I start with my circle. I talk to my, you know, my, the friends that I have around me who encourage me and, and allow me to fail, you know, because sometimes I'm in the public eye a little bit more now. So a lot of people see me and they're like, oh, you know, I post something here, like, oh, this is, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, so <laughs> it's just being able to, you know, being able to talk to them and tell them that I failed. I even have two accountability partners now that we talk to each other about life you know he asked me to make sure that I'm staying on focus staying on mission and just maintaining who I was before I started becoming you know Sean the speaker you know inspirational motivational author you know whatever it's like before I came became this guy you knew me from before so you know help me stay accountable just keeping my original character intact he'll let me grow because he understands that my time and schedule is different but he knows the difference between me acting out of character Versus me, you know, being more professional and efficient in what he believes that we both believe that God has want me to do. So that's how I stay accountable. Is I, I talk to people, I tell them, I, you know, I, it's only a few though. Don't don't go around telling everybody what's going on. <laughs> that's <right>. You know, <laughs> don't don't go around telling your business and you know, it's, this ain't the water wheel. You know, you just dripping down like what's Sean going on? Like no, nah, <laughs> just, just confident. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. <laughs> so. What lessons do you wish your father would have been around to have taught you? Yeah, I definitely wish that he would have been around to teach me how to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ironically. <He> no. <laughs> I wish, you know, it's just a wish, you know, to like, man, I wish that my father was with my mom and he could call me and be like, man, you know, like, damn, my wife get on my nerves. And I just, you know, just to hear him be like, yep, your mom been getting on my nerves since she was five. But, you know, it's like, she didn't get on my nerves since she was five. Like, it, it ain't nothing new. All right. You come, come on over. We'll talk about it. And you're going to go back out and go, you know, go talk to your wife and y'all going to figure it out. Because it ain't no, you know, just really give me that encouragement knowing you that, hey, this is going to be challenging, but leaving is not the answer. No matter what happens, no matter, um, you know, as like I said, as long as it's not abusive or anything like that, but leaving is really not the answer because what's going to happen is you run away, you're going to create that exact same problem somewhere else or even multiply the existing ones you have. So it's like, just stay there and, and work it out because the next person is going to have to pick up your baggage plus the baggage of this person, especially if you guys have kids involved, it gets so sticky and so messy and just... It's, I've seen it work really well, especially now in this culture, really emphasizing co-parenting. Um, but I still think that, like I said, just I wish my dad would have just been there to teach me that, um, you know, how to stay married and, and how to be here and and just, you know, the normal thing. Because my uncle really stepped up and showed me like how to repair things and how to be a contractor, how to change a tire, fix a toilet, you know, do all this stuff. So I remodeled my basement, remodeled my house, and I love him for teaching me all those things. And um, But yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing I wish he would have shown me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had, I had a grandfather, so he showed me a lot of things like that, but I figured I needed to find that in the husband I have, and I did, so it's really pretty cool, yeah. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so, so you work with your community, so mm -hmm. how do you, ha uh, what kinds of things are you doing in the community, and how are you helping others, especially younger people, learn to reshape their thinking? Yeah, I'm just involved, just being involved. I mean, me as a, just me 
being a person is a, is a testament, a testimony for them to learn from. And obviously, because I emphasize and push myself into the platform of, of talking to youth and young adults more, I'm more aware of the things that the challenges that they have facing. I'm a young adult myself, so it's it's a little bit easier to relate to them and see, like, I see what you're going through because I remember what it was like for me. And now I see you have this extra challenge that makes it this much more difficult for you to do one simple thing. Um, and so I try to relate to them by being involved, whether it's at my church and youth ministries and youth groups, whether it's in just, you know, uh, my son's school, you know, just being in the robotics program and, and teaching them that and just just doing everything that I can to be involved, you know, as free, you know, for the, for the free 99, you know, what can I do for free? You know, what can I, you know, stepping up and being a host for, like I said, my church at the young adults events where they need somebody to, to speak more and be more vocal and open. It's like, Hey, I, I got it. You know, like, let me use the gift that I already have. I've already done this in schools and stuff like, let me, let me do it here. And so it's just, you know, being available and just continuing to build a story and helping them just see the perspective that they can do whatever it is they're trying to do. There's just a way you have to use your environment to learn how to get there because everybody's environment is the same, but you can change it and even use it if it's not what you want to get to where you want to go. It's just being, you know, got to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Is there a technique uh, that couples could maybe use, say, once a week when they uh, could take some time out to discuss what's going on with them so that they can better their relationship or mm-hmm. uh, make sure that they get, they feel like, I guess, make sure they feel that they're heard and yeah. that they're loved the way they need to love, need to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. My wife, my wife and I do this thing that works so well. Um, it's just called 20 seconds. We, we, whenever one of us gets frustrated or agitated with each other, 20 seconds, we call 20 seconds. And what that means is I'm literally going to hug you for 20 seconds. We're just, no matter how we're feeling, I'm just going to hug you for 20 seconds and not say anything. We're not talking. We're not doing, we're just, we're just embracing the moment and letting us both get to this level where we're just calm. And sometimes it's going to be moments where you don't want to be touched, which is where it comes into the being, you know, just mindful of the timing, you know, of your conversation. And I learned this from a pastor this past Sunday. So it's a great that you asked me that it's this timing, uh, tact and then tone, you know, the timing, don't, don't say something right when they walk through the door or, you know, right when they're about to sit down or go eat or do, you know, do something that's like, come on, like you, you know, good and well, they're not going to sit and talk to you for 25 minutes about something that you want to talk about. They want to get in the shower. They've been at home with the kids all day. They've been out working all day. They've been at work too. They just got, you know, this timing. Um, but then you can also block out time, you know, for, for what you want to say, you know, make an appointment, say, hey, can we talk about this tonight? So that way it's both, both of your schedules and, you know, I want to talk about this. And then you have the tact, which is how you say it. Obviously, you don't, you know, start with I talk about what you can do better. What's helped me the most um, is when I stopped telling my wife what she could do better or um, what she did to hurt me. Rather, I felt, you know, I using the I statements. I know it sounds like counseling, but it works. It's like I felt like this when you did this. I don't know whether you meant it to be that way, but this is how it made me feel. Because sometimes the intention of what they said, had it, it, we just took it out of proportion. And that's a reality. We got to admit, again, another another failure. Yeah, I misinterpreted that. Yeah, you went overboard. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. You know, and so we're all susceptible to that. But it's just making sure that, you know, you guys are both being heard. And, you know, what I what I heard you say was this. Is, it what you, is this what you mean? Because sometimes it's like, oh, no, I, I didn't explain that correctly. And then obviously the tone, you know, yelling is not going to resolve anything. And I try to talk just like I'm talking now is how I argue with my wife now. 
we don't really get to this level where it's like we're in a conversation because we're talking. And so when I say arguing, like, yeah, we still get into it. Like we're people. People always gonna get on each other's nerves, okay? To the day we die. All right. I don't care how much love you got in the air. You're gonna get on my nerves at some point. I mean, we can, if we sit on this call long enough, you know, we're gonna get on each other's nerves too. So yeah, it's just people are just people. And so it's just how it is. And so there's there's a there's a time, you know, the tone that you want to use with each other and you know, pay attention to those clues where you're not raising your voice or yelling at them. So use that 20 seconds tool as like an intermediary till you get to the level where you can talk. You know, even if you just come home and you mad, hey, babe, 20 seconds. It's 20 seconds. You can't take 20 seconds to hold your spouse and and just take a break. You know, your life is too full. You guys need to cut some stuff out and slow down. That's just the reality. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some, something's wrong. If you don't have 20 seconds throughout the day to hug your spouse, that's the problem. That you, you don't need, you only need to talk. That's the problem. You don't have 20 seconds to hug each other. And so, you know, that's the, something's wrong and it, it just got to be addressed. And I'm not saying this is like a foolproof formula because obviously there's other things that could be involved in it, but it's a great starting point because if you feel like you can't, you can connect, just even you can just hold them. It'll do so much more and release the stress and, and allow you to kind of calm down and come at it with a different mindset, different level and understanding, hey, I love this person. Let me talk to them like I love them, not how, not like I'm supposed to be, you know, ruled by them or, you know, that, that never works. So, <laughs> And I think that's a good idea because people do need to have time to switch from, from I guess, one persona, the work persona, the work facade mm -hmm. to the, to whatever you are, to whatever role you play at home. And those are generally different personalities, different people, especially if you, as a woman, if you have a stressful job, which yeah. I have a stressful job, but um, mm -hmm. my husband always would find something that would make me laugh. So that would, yeah. but you have to sort of take some time to switch. So yeah, you're right. 20 seconds. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> Everybody got 20 seconds. 20 you know? seconds. In the morning, the night, something. 20 That's seconds. Right. 20 20 seconds. seconds. I'm, I'm mad at you right now. 20 seconds. Come on. <laughs> but it, it makes, okay. it, it makes <laughs> our arguments like they're not, you know, they don't get heated because it's, it's something that just breaks the ice. Like when you, when you do it for like a week or so and they say 20 seconds, it makes you literally see them as the way that you saw them during those 20 seconds. Now you're no longer not mad. You're like, you're right. Come here. Like, let me. 20 seconds, you're right. This is what we do when we're mad at each other because we're a team, we're, we're partners, we're together. I'm holding you, we're not talking, we're not saying anything, I'm just remembering the day that I held you when I got married to you, the day that I held you when mm -hmm. you know we're intimate and stuff like that. It, make, it brings those memories and it releases those endorphins in your brain where you're like, this is why I love this person. This is why I'm with this person. And then the second you open your mouth, it might be over during that moment. So don't talk. Just hold, <laughs> just, just hold them, just hold them and then just, just walk away. <laughs> Just walk away. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Because you know, women always say, it was all right till you opened his mouth and said something dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do it? Come on, man. Calm down. <laughs> Just hold it. Walk away. <laughs> oh, gosh. That is really cool. So, do you teach classes or you counsel? How, uh, so how are you, uh, what platform do you use other than speaking to mm -hmm. teach people these kinds of techniques? Because yeah, we so speak I, this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm actually um, working with my team now to start up a webinar series that we're going to have. Um, and that is going to be sent out in our distribution email. So if you want to go to shawnthespeaker.com, 
and just subscribe to the email or just send me a contact uh, at the fill out the contact form at the bottom and just say, hey, I'm interested in your uh, webinar when it, when you have it. Just so I have a list of people who know because it's going to go out to the whole thing. But I just want to make sure that I include you on that list. So you have the chance to sign up because me and my team are, are rolling out a series of them. We're going to have maybe an eight week or so uh, webinar series of just going over each brick. And so we're going to kind of throw everything at it. I mean, everything in the kitchen sink, whether you're young adults, whether you're youth, whether age group. I mean, it's, it's going to be something in there for everybody. And really how I see it is adults, we're all just young people with responsibilities. We're no better than the children that we're raising. We just got more responsibilities, time and bills. That's it. We, we still have concepts. So, I mean, it's the truth. That's right. That's the truth. <laughs> you know, we just we just think we grown because we can spend money. It's like, yeah, but you, you know, you're not doing too well with that. If you otherwise you wouldn't be here. Like you wouldn't be in a situation. So are you really better than your child? You know, you just so we we, we want to, you know, just remember those principles that keep those fundamental values that keep us at that core fund, you know, core foundation. So we can start rebuilding and, and building things that succeed um, because we know maybe it's just a kink in the you know, kinking the holes that you unkink it now. You're like, oh, I didn't remember this when I was younger. Now I start to do this now as an adult. And then the water's just flowing. You know, some people just, it just, it just starts growth. Just everything starts like, oh my gosh, like, thank you, Sean. This helps me so much. And so be on the lookout for that webinar series and you can subscribe on the website, seanthespeaker.com, or you could just, like I said, send me an email at the contact form at the bottom and we'll make sure you get on the distribution list. So there are a lot of parents who have kids who are being bullied now. Mm -hmm. um, and my heart goes out to them because yeah. I grew up, it wasn't so much of that. It was more, um, the, but society wasn't as integrated. So we had a different fight, I guess. So uh, that required us to be, uh, to, to be as one, to be a group. Uh, so which one of these techniques can it, could one of the parents watching now actually share with their child to help them not do anything that would be harmful to themselves, mm -hmm. uh, like suicide because they're being bullied? Yeah, and I, I may not have mentioned it, so I'll go ahead and reiterate it. Um, you know, if you hadn't just to just to address that topic in particular, mm -hmm. I think because I dealt with bullying too growing up, and that's where that doubt, fear, and you know, insecurity came from where people were like, oh, you're ugly, oh, you're this, this, this. But then I just I remembered that, you know, where I'm going, they won't be able to go. If I if I stay consistent with what I'm doing as far as whatever they're bullying me for, it must be working. You know, it's like, okay, I, I may not be whatever, whatever now. I may not be the most attractive now, but at some point I will. <laughs> to somebody, I will be. <laughs> and then I'll develop confidence. And, and it's just being patient in that you're not going to entertain it. And, it. and nowadays you're looked at as weak or you're looked at as, you know, let the pressure get to you. I, I don't know how, but it's just that you have to get to this place in your mind where I said, this will not be here forever. They, they're going to talk about me now. I'm going to continue to show them why. And here's what happened was, honestly, from elementary school to about middle school, I was bullied. But then when I hit high school, I was the smartest kid in my ninth grade class. I was literally tutoring seniors to graduate, seniors and juniors to graduate college, graduate high school, just high school, math. I was helping them, tutoring them. And then people were like, dude, you're really smart. I'm like, yeah, you see reality getting close and now you have to play catch up and now you need me. My friends started to grow. They stopped bullying me at that point. They were like, oh, you're pretty cool. Oh, you play basketball. You're really good. Cool, man. Like we're, you know, and I was like, oh, now they need you. And so it's, it's a point where, you know, it's that, that same scenario is going to happen if you don't give into it. And I know sometimes it can get really bad. And so parents, if you even have a child who's doing bullying, explain to them, 
they are dealing with the same things that you're dealing with too. And you're making them feel worse about their life. You have no idea what's going on in their home life. That's making them act like that. I didn't have the greatest clothes. I had holes in my shoes and nobody explained this to those kids. I just had a different level of, I said, this isn't going to be my story forever. I know that. And, and now that's how it is. I'm doing things at 25 or 26 now that they want, they aren't able to do, you know, and I'm not saying it to brag. It's just because I kept myself and without biting in and letting them get to me, I'm able to do stuff that they can't do or they're doing on debt or credit that I'm paying cash for. That's just the reality is, you know, it's not the brag. It's just, you can be like, Hey, I'm, we're living a different life. You, you took all your time trying to make me feel bad. I actually use that as fuel to make me better. And now you want to work for me. Now you want to work with me. Now you're asking me if you got any job, you know? And so <laughs> use that mentality to fuel you to go forward that, Hey, if you have an ability, you have a gift, you have a skill, you have something that they're going to want to use later. So don't hold it against them. Just let them know. Just just keep your mind focused on exactly where it is that, you know, that future destination. For me, I grew up without a father, grew up with nothing. So I said, I'm not going to allow that to be my testimony, my testimony now. And so anything else that you say to me that's going to veer me off that path, it's not going to happen. I was trying to get a full ride to scholarship, full ride scholarship, because my mama told me she wasn't paying for college. And I thought college was the way out. I got a full ride scholarship. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, that's just how it is. I, I, I worked hard. I did not pay for college. I said, I'm not doing this either. So while they're talking about me, I'm learning how to get better, how to get things provided for, how to get opportunities that they wouldn't have access to because they spent so much time trying to make you feel bad. And so you just, you, you don't try to solve the problem and, and all the mediation ticks and peer mediation works, you know, as far as telling your counselors, use your resources, tell your teachers, you know, make sure you have an environment of people who you can, who trust and build you up, but you just have to get to a level where you, you don't really care what anyone else right. says about you. You know, it's, it's, it's you, you know, you, you got to know that you, you're, you're going somewhere. You got to get there. Yeah. <laughs> was that special child? I didn't care what they said about me. So, my mother would, I remember, I told her, I says, I was never bullied. She says, yeah, you were, you just didn't care. I just didn't care. I, I couldn't change, you couldn't, cha I can't change it. I can't change it. <laughs> I don't care about what I can't change. So, it, it, you can't change it, exactly. Yeah. So you're also a certified personal trainer. And we didn't talk, we, we were like running out of time. So you got to catch us up on that. So where do you fit that in? <laughs> I try to combine uh, how I started, honestly, in speaking was I started training youth and young adults using the principles that I use to build sustainable principles in your life, starting with nutrition, uh, which is why my podcast for the youth podcast, uh, which you can find on Apple, Apple Music or, or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It just it's it's geared towards mind, body and movement. And what it means, we just combined everything together. Uh, to sort of give you this program that teaches you why food is important, even now at a younger age, so you understand that it affects your mental, mm -hmm. your, your, your emotional, you know, your, your energy levels, your, your, your attention span, your focus, and like what you eat is important. What you think about, what you look at, what you see is important. And then ultimately moving your body does something to your brain, even if it's just 10 minutes. This ain't just go exercise. It's like just do something for 10 minutes, just do jumping jacks, jog or jog up a hill, do some push, something. It, it releases, you know, a chemical, just stress relief in your brain where your brain is not overloaded and you can really kind of decompress. And so I fit it in anywhere I can. Now that I mean, it's winter now. So, you know, when the spring starts back up, I definitely am going to start um, looking for more clients and, you know, that I drive to, I travel, I bring all the equipment or I meet them in a park or whatever. I'm very flexible because I'm just all about instilling value, instilling principles, and creating strong leaders for this generation. <laughs> well, if you're ever my way, I do 
four and five miles hiking every day. I don't care what the weather's like. So, <laughs> so I always have a pair of hiking shoes. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so, tell us where, uh, tell the viewers, remind the viewers where they can get your book, mm-hmm. how they can get in touch with you and about your podcast again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, SeanTheSpeaker.com. Uh, you can buy my book on Amazon, Brick by Brick, Reshape Your Thinking. Uh, Amazon's a, pretty much the go-to place for everybody, but Barnes & Noble, um, you know, you can buy it at uh, Target Online, Walmart Online. And there also is a new edition too with the new cover. So if you want the newer edition, just go to my website, contact me at SeanTheSpeaker.com, go to the bottom and say, hey, I want your new book. And I'll send you a copy, you know, cheaper than what you can get it online. But you have to, you have to let me know. You got to write me and let me know. Otherwise I won't send it to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> my podcast is also there too. So. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for saying yes to my request of being a guest on the show. It is absolutely, it's been fantastic. I've learned a lot. I'm sure, my, I'm sure my audience has learned a lot too. So thank you very much. As I always say before we end is, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. Do not go gently into that good night, but find a heal worth dying for and take it. Be the person that you have been waiting for and make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous and above all, above all else, do it your way. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the empowerment doctor. And as you all know, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Everyone go forth, have the best life ever using some of the techniques that we actually talked about today. And if you do, make sure you let me know how they worked out for you so I can share them with Sean. So thank you very much. So good night. Hi, I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the empowerment doctor. And I just wanted to, for the next few minutes, to give you some tips about how to actually live your dreams. I want you to start with some self-discovery. I want you to take a piece of paper and write down three to five things that you've accomplished that you can absolutely brag about. I want you to write about how it makes you feel, some of the steps that you took. But these are things that you decide that things you would brag about. Don't ask your neighbors, your best friends, it's just you and this piece of paper. Next I want you to do is to write a list of the things that you would like to accomplish. And as you do that, I want you to define what it is, how you're gonna do it, and set a date when you're gonna do it. And then I want you to dream. I want you to create a picture, a vision board, a collage. It can be magazines, you can use postcards, whatever you like to create a picture of this thing that you want to accomplish, the goal you want to achieve. After you've done that, then I need you to set the team up. Who do you need to reach out to to help you? When do you need to get started? Are there any skills that you need to learn? And if there are, when are you gonna start the process? I want you to give these steps a try this week and let me know how you did because I'm sure you're going to have an amazing discovery. Again, I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor, and as always, I say dream big.
Life's too short to drink cheap champagne So I decided to buy me 